0: Father God, thank you for this Lord's Day, for this time of rest and refreshment that you have provided for us uh, through your word and as we gather together to, to worship you as, as your church. Father, as we look at your word, we pray that you would strengthen us and build us up in, in, in Christ, that you would work in us by the power of your Spirit to, to sanctify us, and, Lord, we ask that you would be, be glorified during this time together. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're carrying on in our series on worship. And, uh, Trey, it's your first time here. We're going through this book uh, called What Happens When You Worship um, by Jonathan Cruz. And this morning we're going to be in chapter 11. So it's uh, God feasts with us, and we 're going to be looking at the lord 's Supper as a expression of our worship um, to the Lord. So we know that if we have to zoom out of the bigger picture of scripture, we see that since the Garden of Eden worship has followed a pattern that culminates in a feast. Uh, In the garden, God provided the tree of life for Adam and Eve to to eat, and if they were to eat of that fruit, they they would live forever. And then you trace everything, the story of Scripture, right through to its culmination in Revelation, What do we see in in the the um, fulfillment of history? How does the 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 Bible end? Well, it ends also with a feast, the marriage supper of the Lamb. All of God's people coming together um, in worship to Him and enjoying a banquet in His presence. So the question is: Well, why is there this emphasis on eating in? The Bible, so that God is uh, likes a lot of food. Uh, that uh, he likes parties. Hey, okay, well, I would say that it's not food per se that God necessarily enjoys, but it's the fact that God enjoys communion, and he delights to commune with his people. And a meal is one of the most powerful ways that we can experience and exercise communion with, with someone else and with, with others. I mean, it's the reason why we go to restaurants on dates. Yeah, it's the reason why if you host a dinner party, it's communicating to those whom you've invited that you like them. OK, it's a sign of affection to cook a meal for people. Okay, it's a it's a good thing. So God created us to be a people who go with our gut and we naturally crave company and the delights that a meal provides. So feasting is the primary means of fellowship. And in worship, we feast to fellowship with God himself. And in actual fact, feasting is really the high point of worship. I mean, what could be more powerful and wonderful than God himself having the pleasure to come and fellowship with us and commune with us over a meal? So that we see this promise of feasting with God before the fall in the garden. But now, post-fall, the only way we can fellowship with, with God is through Christ. Hey, through his blood shed on the cross. Good morning. Thank you. Um, Through Jesus' blood shed for us on the cross, Hebrews 10.20 calls this the new and living way. Okay, so it's for this reason that the Lord's Supper is really the Lord's Supper. We we celebrate what Jesus has done for us through participation in the Lord's Supper, as we're going to do later this morning. And so therefore the Lord's Supper... Morning, morning... Um, the, the Lord's Supper carries with it the promise of the gospel itself. Morning, Lorna. Okay, for those who've just arrived, we're looking at the Lord's Supper as, as a, a part of uh, worship. No worries. Chapter 11, if you are following. So the question, well, any questions so far? Okay, and we'll continue. So what then is the point of the Lord's Supper? And how does the Lord's Supper act as a part of our worship? And what Jonathan says here, quote, Through the Lord's Supper, God's Spirit strengthens our faith, hope, and love in the finished work of Jesus Christ as believers really and truly feast on him. Through the Lord's Supper, God's Spirit strengthens our faith, hope, and love in the finished work of Jesus Christ as believers really and truly feast on Him. So what we're going to see in these next couple of minutes is that through the participation in the Lord's Supper, we really do meet with Jesus. Jesus. It's not just a memorial. Yeah, we get into that. We really do meet with Jesus, who spiritually nourishes us in the meal by Spirit, and our response to this incredible gift can only be that of worship to the Lord. So I want to break up um, these three points here that. Jonathan's mentioned in, his, uh, in how he defines the Lord's Supper. So, the, looking at the Supper in terms of faith, hope, and love. So, let's just look at firstly the Lord's Supper as a feast of faith. So, every time that we partake of the Lord's Supper, we remember Jesus' death on the cross, we remember that his body was broken. And his blood was shed for, for our sins. So first and foremost, the Lord's Supper reminds us of the truth of the gospel. Yeah, that we were deserving of the wrath of God because of our sins. But instead, Jesus took upon himself our sins on the cross and died in our place. And so because of what he, he did on the cross... Instead of receiving God's wrath that that we deserve, trusting in Christ, what do we receive now? We receive forgiveness of our sins. We receive His favor. We receive um, His blessing. And we are brought into relationship with, with our loving Father who now through the supper draws us into His presence. And so every time we eat the bread... And drink the wine. These are, are visible and tangible reminders to us what Jesus has done for us. I mean, that's why we, we, we call the, the Lord's Supper a, a visible word. And it, it's why Jesus says in Luke twenty two nineteen 19, as he's administering the, the, the supper for the first time um, before the night of uh, Evo's crucifixion, he says, do this in remembrance of me. So first of all, it's it's it, it we this the supper is us remembering what Christ has done for us. It's it's we um, we are reminded of what he's um, done for us through on the cross, a visible word, a visible demonstration, in a way, of the truth of, of the gospel. It's a sign, okay. And, um, in our confessions, we call the the um, the sacraments signs and seals, okay. So the Lord's Supper, being one of the sacraments, it's a it's it's a covenant sign, just is in the same way that the rainbow was a covenant sign of the Noah covenant okay, as a reminder to us but even to God as Genesis tells us that he won't destroy the earth again with the flood. So in the same way that the rainbow is a sign of the covenant that God made with Noah, the Lord's Supper is a sign of the new covenant yeah, it's a reminder to us what Christ has has done. On the cross, it's a reminder to us that we are not going to have to pay for our own sins on the last day because Jesus has paid for them. That's and forgiveness. Point of view. It, It's partly a memorial. Absolutely. It is. It is a memorial. But it's not just a memorial. No. Yeah, that's one, the one aspect of it. It's a very important aspect of it. Okay. Definitely, yeah. Okay, That's why Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. Yeah, this most certainly is a memorial, a covenant sign reminding us of what Christ ha- has done for us. And the incredible thing is that, that God, I mean, okay, God gives us these very earthy things here. Okay, bread and wine, these are staples of, of life. But to associate these things with, with what Christ has done. So when we, we see, you know, as do a bit later, the bread being broken, it's a reminder what, that, of Jesus' body having been broken for us on the cross. When we see the, the wine poured out, it's a rem- reminder that Christ's blood was, was spilt for you. Okay, when you smell the wine, okay, we have to use grape juice here. Um, when you smell the grape juice, okay, associate that smell with the, the pleasing aroma of Christ's once-for-all sacrifice on the cross that, that has satisfied the Father. Okay, when you taste the bread, it's a reminder that Christ himself is the bread of heaven who truly satisfies us. So that we are meant to engage with our senses in these things. That's why God has given us these physical things to um, to participate in. Any questions before we move on here? It's also, um, it's simple. Mm. Imagine if we had to, you know, they obviously had things like the dam. Yeah. yeah and that, that's also the point. It's meant to be simple. it's not meant to be this big, elaborate, intricate feast. That, that's actually coming. <laughs> but for now, this side of eternity is very simple. Okay, so firstly, the supper is a feast of faith, a sign. Reminding us of what Jesus has done. Secondly, we are filled with hope when we participate of the Lord's Supper. So the Supper is not only a memorial, it certainly is, but we also look forward in the Lord's Supper in hope to what Christ will one day do. And what will he one day do? Well, we know that he tells us in his word that one day he's going to return. and He's going to make all things new in the new heavens and the new earth. He's going to be our God and, and we are going to be his people in the new creation. And to, to celebrate that coming together of God and his people in, in the new creation, he's going to prepare a banquet for us. Heavenly banquet, the marriage supper of the Lamb, where all um, believers will participate in and, and we will dine with, with Christ in heaven. We see that in, in Revelation 19, and then more, you know, there are more details about it in Isaiah 25, where it describes this incredible feast as a feast of rich food for all peoples a banquet of aged wine. Sorry, we don't have a, a 2010 <laughs> Rubicon, uh, a list Rubicon here. Okay, that's coming, even better in the heavens, in new creation. A banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, the finest of wines. Isn't that magnificent? That's just a little, i just give a little glimpse of, of that, that feast to come. And At that feast, then we will be with God face to face. Then God will wipe away every tear. Conquer all his enemies. He'll vindicate all um, his people. There will be no more sickness. The curse will have been broken. All the damage and hardships and disappointments of this age will have been forgotten, be wiped away. God will make all things new and we will celebrate those glorious things with Christ on that day. And so when we participate in the Lord's Supper, now we're getting a little glimpse of what is to come. We're getting a little glimpse of that future heavenly banquet. And so we get to taste a little bit of it now in these very simple things in order to give us hope for for the future. It reminds us that this life, with all its trials and its challenges and its heartbreaks, is not the end. It's not the end. Because one day we will enjoy a sumptuous meal before God in the new creation where everything will have been made right. Do you think that that there will be meat? I mean go back to Eden. Mm-hmm. We didn't need meat. We didn't eat animals. Mm. Um, and when we were given, we went with it. But it just struck me that we have bread and wine. Mm. And, and, and I thought, oh, I was thinking, why don't we have fish? Because fish was a great part of, yeah. of Jesus Yeah, Yeah. well, f- for me as a, a red-blooded South African, I don't know how heaven could be heaven without flesh. But no, 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 I'm just I'm being facetious. Okay. But, but um, I, I mean, we saw Isaiah 25 says there'll be the best of meats. <laughs> yeah, it says it, says it there. Um, there'll be animals in heaven as well. So, I don't know, we don't, we don't, we're not given many details about the new creation. I think that's the we're in these little glimpses here and there but i think the point is also to keep us a bit in suspense that whatever it is if there's no meat or if there is meat it's gonna be amazing and we will not miss anything we will be entirely satisfied we'll be completely fulfilled is i25 is i25 verse six yeah. Jonathan quotes the extend my, a lot of the chapter in in his chapter, just quoted one verse there. Okay, so the that was the supper gives us hope about what Christ is going to do in the future, and thirdly and lastly, through the supper we also join together. In love. Throwing together in love to God. In love with each other. And this is the incredible thing about the the Lord's Supper. Is that it unites us. As the body of Christ. So firstly. Through the Supper we are united to Christ himself. This is what 1 Corinthians 10. 16-17 tells us. Is the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread. We who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Now, often you just read through that verse very quickly and don't really think, pause to, to dwell on what it's saying. What it's saying there is profound. Because firstly, it's saying that when we we eat, when drink of the supper, we're not just eating and drinking bread and wine. We are doing that, but we, something else is happening. We are, as the text says, we are participating in god himself we are being united to to christ by the power of his spirit we commune with him that's why we call the lord's supper also communion there is a real connection between god and his people through the power of the spirit so when we enjoy when we participate in the lord's supper God is really at work. He promises to be present with us by the power of His Spirit. That's why we call, in our confessions in the Reformed tradition, we call this an example of the means of grace. Okay, the means of grace are certain things in the Bible which God promises to strengthen us by the power of His Spirit. Okay, the prime primary means of grace is the preaching of the word of God. And then the, the sacraments are also means of grace. And then prayer is, is the third example of means of grace. These things that we have no doubt. God attaches a promise to these things that he is with us by the power of his spirit. We don't have to have any, any doubt that he's here. He, he's, yeah, we, we trust in faith that, that he indeed is with us. That's why faith is the prerequisite To participate, faith in Christ is the prerequisite in order to to participate in in the Lord's Supper. So we really do feed on Christ by faith when we partake of the Lord's Supper. Okay, He's spiritually present with us, physically present in the right hand of the Father, but He is spiritually present with us um, when. We partake of the Lord's Supper and the Holy Spirit uniting us to Christ by faith as we eat and drink these things. Now, just to qualify this. While Christ is, is, is certainly present with us in the supper by his spirit. The bread and the wine don't physically transform into the actual body and blood. Of Christ, okay. That's the the heresy of transubstantiation, which Rome believes. We reject that wholeheartedly as a form of idolatry. Okay, we do not come and worship um, these things as God. And if you go to a Roman Catholic church, and even some uh, now, when say that uh, some Roman Catholic churches, you will see that. They, the priests will genuflect, or they will bow before the bread and the wine. And there's a good reason why they're doing it, because they, they genuinely believe that it has become God. Yeah, It's the same reason why um, in the Roman Catholic Church, but also some other churches, when you... Yes, the Anglican Church, you go to receive the Lord's Supper... How do you receive it? In what position do you receive it? Yeah. Okay, that, that, that's not by accident. Who do you bow to? You bow to God. And it was actually one of, that was one of the, the breaking points for the Puritans in the Church of England to, to break away from the Anglican Church. Precisely because they realized that the act of kneeling and taking communion was communicating that they still believe in transubstantiation. So that's one of the defining... The Puritans were those in the Church of England who believed that the Church of England hadn't reformed enough. There were still remnants of Rome in, in... in um, the Anglican church. And so that's why they, well, they were ejected, actually, and all of them um, left on their own accord. So it's, we, all this to say that we we don't, we we don't believe in transubstantiation. Okay, it's got no grounds in scripture. Um, But at the same time, we do believe that Christ is spiritually present in the supper. These things don't magically change substance. They are, this is proper bread and this is proper grape juice. There's nothing, there's no change in the substance. All that happens is that Christ, by his spirit, comes to be with us um, during um, this time. And not only that, as we partake of the meal, by the power of the spirit, in a mysterious way, we are also lifted up into the heavenly places and brought before the presence of Christ Himself by the power of the Spirit. And this is exactly why Hebrews 6, 4-5 says that when we part- that we partake of the the heaven, when we partake of the heavenly gift and we take that to be the, the Lord's Supper, we taste of the powers of the age to come. Yeah, we commune with Christ himself who really does feed us and, and strengthen us and, and sustain us. It's a, it's a glorious thing. So firstly, we're united to Christ himself by the power of the Spirit as we participate in the Lord's Supper, but secondly, we also united as a church. We united to each other. Yeah, so the our participation in the Lord's Supper is also a, a sign of our unity in um, a, 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 as, as Christ's bride. Um, it's a sign of our unity, but also it, it forms us increasingly um, as a, a, a as, as a united. Church, and it's this is one of the main reasons why we don't go off and do this by ourselves at home alone, even in a nuclear family. It's it's inappropriate, it's not the supper was not designed to be done in isolation, it was designed for us Christ's body as we worship Him on the Lord's day. In order to bring us as a church together, to conform us increasingly to Christ. <laughs> Definitely not. It's a contradiction in terms. It's an absolute contradiction in terms. You have, the point of it is that we are to be. To, I know you're just uh, <laughs> winding things up there, but yeah, it it, it matters, and also matters. I mean you know with all the the covid craziness and um you know there were some churches who were having the you were doing the courage to do the lord's supper in yeah you know, in 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 your lounge while watching the the sermon streamed it it's a it's a failure really to understand the significance of the lord's supper when drive through and the thing in your lounge are done it it, it it's it's not understanding the, the, the point of this. So basically, to sum up very briefly, through the supper, God sustains our weak faith as we wander through the wilderness on our journey to the true promised land, which is the new creation. Through the, the supper, we get a little taste of heaven now. We get a taste of this future promise of eternal communion with our God and we as people. Any questions? Okay. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for... These gifts that you have given us of, of bread and wine to remind us what, what Christ has done for us, to strengthen us in our faith, to, to give us hope for, for the future. That this world and you know all its problems is, is not the end. We can look forward to the day where you will come and make all things new. And where you will be our God and, and we will be your people seeing you face to face and enjoying your presence um, for all eternity. Father, we, we thank you for, um, for all this. We, we thank you for the truth of your gospel, for how you are continuing to transform us um, according to Christ by the power of your spirit. We'll prepare our hearts now as we go into the worship service. And we ask all these things for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.